Entrepreneur Circle is an On-Air Brands production and a proud member of the On-Air Brands Network. Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki. And you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle, Eric Cabral. On this episode, as soon as they shift to another business, they're not really entrepreneurs. They didn't really have business skills. They figured out one type of business and they get into the new business and they're like, this isn't working like the old business does. And they don't have anything planned, capital wise, financial forecast, marketing, you know, any of that stuff. So these people all do it by accident. You can increase your chances of success if you just made, made it part of your practice to put things in writing. You have now entered the entrepreneur circle. Hey there, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. My goal is to inspire you by chatting with entrepreneurs about their successes, their failures in life and in business. I am your most humbled host, Eric Cabral, a real estate investor, a creative, and I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years. Got my start in New York City as a junior art director, made my way to the top of the corporate ladder and realized there was the proverbial glass ceiling. So I hung up my corporate hat and started my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using podcasts and social media marketing, along with the help of my other company, PodMax, which hosts live and virtual events for top performing entrepreneurs to get them on podcasts and to learn from our keynote speakers and our massive network. So to learn more about that event, hit up podmax.co and sign up for the next event. They're happening each and every month. So as always, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast with two to three of your friends to continue growing our community and to help others grow from the knowledge shared here and learned here on this podcast. And before we jump into the show, I'd like to share some of what our sponsors, partners, and good friends have to offer you. Hello, this is Josh McCowan, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out. And the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business. Reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. I am your most happy and humbled host, Eric Cabral. And with me today, like other days, I am so blessed to have a oh, good nice friend guy. by the name of Mitchell Beinhacker. How are you? Yes. 
Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Looking forward to I'm, this. I am so excited, man. This is a long time in the making. We've known each other for a long time. It's like, why haven't we recorded shows together? I know. Well, we said that at the last Podmax <laughs> event. So then we ended up. And the funny thing is, because we're going to you're going to come on my show. We ended up back to back. Yes. Today and tomorrow. So we're just going to do a it. A little Stay behind on the, the mic. curtain. Yeah. So we're right. going to double team. We're going to release this at the same time. You're not going to get enough of me and Mitch. So, but for those of you who don't know, I'm just going to tee this up for the audience so they know who the heck okay. is the authority in the room because it's not me. Mitchell well, it depends on what we're talking about. <laughs> Mitch <laughs> is a lawyer. Please don't hold that against him. But he right. has his own family-owned business. He's an entrepreneur, an advisor, and he loves helping companies translate their business goals into reality. He's yeah. also the host of the world-famous Accidental entrepreneur at least in my world yeah. <laughs> and in my world and i love right. to call him and label him as a super connector in my world because he has connected me with probably at this point hundreds of people mitch you don't right. stop well podmax <laughs> is an easy sell we want to get people on so yeah, yeah. it's great dude and i, I forgot right. to mention we're going to do it here live we'll do it live i um love taking shows like this um and repurposing them on other shows so that yeah. we double hit shotgun approach Sure. We will probably most likely use this for what we recently launched is special episodes of the Podmax podcast called Podmax Family. So oh, at least, okay, if, great. yeah, we could talk a little bit about the community, how you experience and what you love, hate about it. Um, and sure. yeah, we could, we can get into it, but yeah, brother, um, let's, let's kick it off. And I love, you know, I love this question just to sort of get things started and, and dive into your story, but what the heck was it like at the dinner table the Beinhacker home. Growing up? Yeah. Growing my up. My dad was in the life insurance business. So a lot of it was like family and business planning and things like that. I didn't know anything about it. Nothing. He would just be, is all I knew was that he was at my ball games and he was home at night at dinner. Maybe he went out to see clients after. I have no idea. I went to sleep. So he was always around um, and he had a career that kind of allowed him. And he always taught me you know, he would read Ford magazine to throw it on my bed at night. And, hey, you should take a look at that. So I was used to read a lot of business stuff. And, you know, he would always tell me, don't, you know, don't, don't work for somebody and get paid hourly. Don't trade your time for money. You should work on commission. You should work for results, which I'm kind of in between those two worlds now. But, um, yeah, so I was always taught that way. And it was always kind of like, you know, sales was always a thing. And then when I then when I got out of college, I think I was like, well, I didn't know what I was going to do. I'd go get my MBA. I wasn't really entrepreneurial. They didn't have any entrepreneur programs 30 years ago in college. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a, like a French word. I don't know, entrepreneur, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So now it's like a regular word. And um, I, so, so I said, okay, you know what? I'm not very analytical. Um, my Jewish grandmother, may she rest in peace, was like chasing me. You got to go to law school. You got to go to law school. So... I think I was drunk one night with my friend Greg and he's like, let's go to law school. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, we sobered <laughs> up. He decided not to go to law school. I did. I went to law school and, you know, I was never a good reader. I was probably undiagnosed dyslexic mm. um, when I was young, the, always the last kid in class to finish reading and my comprehension was not very good. So I felt that if I went to law school, it would improve my analytical skills and teach me to be a better, um, you know, writer and reader from whatever I ended up doing. Well, I came out of law school and, you know, you're like, well, I guess you go become a lawyer. I mean, you know, I remember there was a book when we were coming out of law school, how to start your own law practice. Mm. And people would be like, well, 
well, that's only for people who can't get a job, right? I mean, that's ridiculous. That's nobody's going to, right? That's stupid. You're a loser. You can't. And now I find out like 90% of the practice is like solo practitioners in the country. That's really where you kind of end up. Big law, corporate law, government is, uh, yeah, not not big part of the practice. So yeah. ironically, and that was always, I was always attracted to business. I started businesses in middle school and high school. I had a detailing company in high school and detailing was like new to cars and everything mm. like that. My uncle, who's a lawyer also actually, he was in this office building and he had a little, uh, remember those uh, 300ZX? They had the little T-tops, oh, yeah. the little... So he got this new hot sports car and he's like, um, I can't, I can't clean the car. Like I'm working too much. So I said, all right, I'll come to your office and I'll do the car in the parking lot. So I came with a buddy of mine, we washed the car within a couple of days. There were hundreds of people lined up oh. because they all had the same problem. <laughs> They're all working their ass off. They don't have time to get their cars clean. So we started this business by the end of senior year. I sold it to somebody Whoa. who was, I think, working for me. And then I went up to college and college I had a DJ company. And we had a bunch. It was called Shut Up and Dance. Actually, it was a good, oh, love a fun it. name. Oh, wow, and, you're ahead uh, of your time. Yeah. So, well, no, because we were at the fraternity house, sitting around with a bunch of guys, and we were thinking of a name for the DJ companies. We were taking it over from some older brothers, and one of the guys joking around. He's like, "I just call it Shut Up and Dance." And I go, "That is a great name." He's like, "No, I'm kidding. <laughs> nope, that's what we're gonna call it." And it makes people laugh. So I did that for a couple of years and sold that off, and then went, you know, to law school, and then started learning all the stuff. Wow. I know now. Holy crap, yeah. dude. Yeah. I didn't realize you sold 30 years multiple ago. businesses before you know, well, getting your That degree. was 30 years ago. That's though. insane, dude. That's insane. It wasn't a lot of money either. Yeah, but still. I mean, just the to have the wherewithal to say, I am going to sell my list of clients to people. Like, who? how old were you? I mean, yeah. You're... Well, I so I was, I was coming out of college. Uh, College, no, high school. I don't know. You yeah, know, I, I didn't sell for a lot. Maybe I sold it for fifteen hundred bucks. Still, kid paid me off over two summers. What, yeah, the funny thing was, he took over the business, and if I remember right, he he took over the client list. So he's working on this guy's Porsche, and he accidentally puts it in drive and drove no. the Porsche through the back wall of the guy's garage. <laughs> so funny because we were so before the mics turned on, we were talking about risky business, and that that, that yeah, is sort of a exactly that's what made me think of it. <laughs> that's great. Right, it's the same type of thing. So I sold him. You're right. I. I connected them with my distributorship. I had a mailing list, a, a list, yeah. and then and a name, I guess. I don't remember what the name of the pro car. I have no idea. Yeah. I can't remember what the name of the business was. New car. And uh, he took it over. But that was the last time I sold the business. Then it was all became law, gotcha, working gotcha. for other businesses. But yeah. still, so what would you attribute that sort of inspiration or that knowledge to do it and the confidence to do it with your dad and like sort of how he probably yeah because he always exposed me to businesses yeah and businesses that he worked with and i became interested in reading about that stuff yeah you had to read magazines in those days we didn't have websites and right like right uh there were audio tapes you would listen to tony robbins on a cassette oh my god tape. i used to drive around when i worked for Started like with the insurance companies and learning sales because I came out of law school and I was like, I don't know how to sell. I got to go somewhere and learn how to sell. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. So, I yeah, you're right. They were all cassette tapes. My kids don't even know what that is in those books. Remember those plastic books, yeah, yeah, those yeah, binders? Yeah, the binder, a plastic. Yeah, you're popping them in it, and out. It had and a little cushion to it. So, in case somebody yeah. sat on it, it protected it. Right. Exactly. And yeah, with Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, yeah, yeah. Brian Tracy, exactly. Tom Hopkins, oh, all like the, the greats. All the great yeah. stuff. So, because I would in those days you'd travel places. So, yeah. I drive around. I learned all that stuff, and then I got really interested in in just doing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah sales, learning how to sell. Yeah, man, I, I love it. I I love the history. Yeah. I love all the callbacks. 
because I think you and I are uh, from the same generation. Um, so we can appreciate all those, those little details. Yeah, One summer I worked for a real estate company. I was coming out of college, needed experience. So they had me like on the street knocking on doors. Look, I didn't even rent anything. I, I was, a, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was so hot. I was in a suit soaking wet. So one day the, the owner, not the owner, the guy who ran the division, wherever he's like, Mitch, come on, I'm going to take you out on the road with me. We're going to go to places, see clients. He had real customers. I was just a slumpy kid. <laughs> so we get in his car and I noticed, remember those, um, when, when you would have like a bump in the middle of the car because of the drivetrain yes. and we get those little oh, yeah. cup holders with the weights yes. and they would yeah. sit over the, <laughs> right. So I get in there, he's got two, like maybe 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts, large cups of coffee. I think at the time they were empty. So we're driving around and he goes, oh, we got to stop. And we pull over to this, I guess it was 7-Eleven. He runs inside. I'm still sitting in the car, comes out and he's got two large coffees. He throws out the other cup. I counted in the first day, I think he drank, it could have been 20 cups of coffee. What? Certainly was 10. Oh, yeah, oh I God. have never seen anybody be so caffeinated. I think later on his doctor said, listen, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. You got to stop, Holy crap. stop doing this. He was high energy. And, and you know what happens also? That stuff never spills when you're the guy who's drinking the coffee for some reason. <laughs> and yeah, it was crazy. And he was also like the chief of police. It's a little oh. collected position in his town. So we were driving around in an unmarked police car. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was a crazy. Oh, that explains but, the yeah. coffee. There's probably some donuts in there somewhere, but probably yeah, exactly. It's probably fixed fits in there. So yeah. So thinking about your story, you know, creating businesses, selling them at a young age is you know yeah. Um, would is that where the accidental entrepreneur title for your podcast like where did that originate? From? No, that's not where it comes from. So what co comes? So I've been practicing law better part of thirty years, and you know, twenty nine years. I'm pushing on thirty years, and I've worked obviously with a lot of business owners, startups, mm -hmm. you know family-owned businesses, whatever. And very often, people come to me and they're closing their business or whatever. They're having trouble, right? With their landlord, they're having trouble with their sales, whatever it is. And a lot of times it has to do with, they don't have a business plan, they haven't done the planning, they haven't done the foresight, and they just kind of wing it. And whatever they're in, so this is what happens a lot of times, Eric. Whatever, they find something they're good at, whether it's uh, you know running a stationary store, okay? So they they used to, we used to have stationary stores. They don't have them anymore, <laughs> but where you get like office supplies and stuff. So let's say they had a stationary store and it was the family business. And the kid takes it over. They figured out how to do that pretty well. They distribute, right? They sell the stuff. They're involved in the community. As soon as they shift to another business, they're not really entrepreneurs. They didn't really have business skills. They figured out one type of business mm. and they get into the new business and they're like, this isn't working like the old business does. And they don't have anything planned capital wise, mm. financial forecast, marketing, you know, any of that stuff. So these people all do it by accident. So it one day, I think I saw that movie, a thing for the movie, you know, the accidental tourist. Of course. Yeah. William Hurt. Yeah. Must've been something came up on Netflix. And I'm like, the ax that's exactly what these people do. They, they succeed or fail completely by accident. And that's when I came up with the name. Now I'm in a little bit of a battle with entrepreneur magazine because I filed the trademark and they're claiming that, uh, well, they're not claiming anything. They're thinking about it. I'm yes. like, how do you, I was like, listen, you want me to disclaim entrepreneur? I already did that for the USPG. I don't you know, have a claim right. to that word. It's so funny we'll you say, say that because I did trademark Entrepreneur Circle. Um, the, the, and they, you the, didn't hear the from them, did you? Show. No. Here's the funny thing. I'll tell this story to you and the audience. I don't think I've ever told this is um, 
So I'm friends with Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And the first time I met him, I ran into him. I was like, hey, we'd love to get you on my Entrepreneur Circle show. And his eyes lit up when I said Entrepreneur Circle. They go after everybody. And he said, yeah, but this is years ago. This is, I think... Somewhat Maybe recently, somewhat yeah. recently, they've they've they they're trying to stick a claim on the word entrepreneur, but at the time that was not known yet, and I got paranoid, Mitch, and I ran back home that night. He said yes, by the way, and, and guessed it on episode fourteen or something twelve, and then I went and bought the URL for like three grand and trademarked it. Entrepreneur Circle. Yes. Yeah. And trademarked it, and they didn't the, say anything. No, they haven't said anything, but. The only person that dinged me, a lawyer reached out years later and said, hey, there's another company called, not Entrepreneur Circle. Oh, yes, it was. And they're like a coaching business in Philadelphia or something. And they run events. And I'm like, that's not what I do. This is a podcast. It's a community. And they're like, okay. And here's the funny thing, Mitch. I hired that lawyer that reached out to me. Sorry, it wasn't you, but it's trademark lawyer to 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 now yeah. trademark all my other brands. There you go. So it worked out. I was like, hey, you you respected me and that and that and I loved the experience, even though I was on the on the bad end of the stick. And uh, but yeah, it's so funny how things happen. But so yeah, so you're practicing law, yeah, right? Why why specifically? Tell tell the folks at home what type of law. Who's the perfect sort of avatar that you seek? Who yeah. do you work with the best? Uh, well, the ones I like to work with most are family-owned businesses, multi-generational businesses. A lot of, a lot of things to do. A lot of things, governance and structure and estate planning for all the families and mm. business agreements and transactional work, all the time. Sometimes they get in trouble. I don't litigate, but I certainly negotiate. I get people out of trouble. So, I do like that. Um, I love working with entrepreneurs and startups and helping them get started. A lot of times they can't pay me. So that's not exactly a bread and butter type of business, but Mm. yeah, I mean, I, I'm a transactional attorney, so I like doing transactional work, drafting agreements, putting paper to pencil and, you know, making things clear because that's like, that's the mistake. If there's one mistake that a business owner should avoid or a habit that they should develop to increase their chances of success, right? You and I are never going to say, Oh, do this and you'll be successful. We're not going to say that, but we'll say you can increase your chances of success if you just made made it part of your practice to put things in writing, mm. your agreement between your partner, customer agreements, the people you do business with, vendors, certainly your lease is going to be in writing in most cases, your business plan. People have parts of a business plan. They got to kind of put it together because it's a working document, you know? Yeah. Write things down. Get in the habit of recording things because our minds are not, they're like a sieve. I mean, mm-hmm. most of us, even the ones with good memory, your mind has a way of mixing things up over time because you get exposed to so many bits of data. Somebody told me that the other day, it's like 22 million bits of data a day or something ridiculous number. You can't separate all that stuff. Your mind is in a file cabinet where you stick things in, you go back to them when you, you know, very few people can think like that. So that's the one habit that you need to develop to be a successful business owner. There's a lot of parts, subparts to all those things, but yeah. it's always gets down to it's not in writing and you don't remember it properly. Mm, so good. So good. Because as entrepreneurs who love to build relationships, um, there's a lot of trust that gets developed over time Yeah, and handshakes and, and, and things sketched onto a napkin. So why do you think that we fall prey to that? Why do we... Why do we get into the bad habits of going years sometimes? Yeah, Josh Carey and I, personal story here, 
we didn't ink a deal and an operating agreement, an amendment to the operating agreement because the businesses that did exist uh, before I met him, <clears throat> is that what are we... What are the details? What have we spoken about? I don't remember. Now we got to get it in writing. But why is it that we feel like, for me personally, I'm like, I don't want to deal with it. Well, we there you hands. go. You just answered the question. <laughs> but what's another <laughs> issue? Why do people just don't deal with it? Because that gets really hairy, right? It always gets hairy. So so it, first of all, it's it uh, some of it's laziness and some of it's fear of having to deal with these things. And some of it's yes. because you're like, well, you know, things are good with Eric. I don't want to rock the boat because I think mm. he thinks this or that. But ultimately, I, I mean, that that's the reason, right? The reason is it's just easier to do it the other way. But if you want to be in business, right, you want on-air brands, PodMax, all your other brands to be successful. I want my law practice to be successful in whatever else I'm building, you got to wear your adult pants. I mean, because you're just going down a road where you're just literally on ice. And the farther you go down the road, the thinner the ice gets because something's wow. going to happen to you, to me, to a family situation, to something that changes our, our personal situation. Maybe it's got nothing to do with business. And now we have to change what we're doing. And you're like, listen, Josh, I, I can't do this anymore, man. My, mm. you know, my wife's parents are sick. We got to move to Washington mm. state. I, you know, and I can't deal with it from there because I don't have this or that. And I just don't have the mental capacity. And then you start separating your business. Okay. So who owns the trademark? Who owns the website? Mm. Who owns the client list? If you're a restaurant, bakery, something like that, where you have recipes, good luck with that. And wow. then what about like social media accounts? If you have things that there's photographs or whatever you made. And none of that stuff is spelled out. Jeez. And courts will partition a business. But how do you, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just a mess. How much of this is encapsulated within an operating agreement? Well, probably not enough of it. But a lot hmm. of it usually is encapsulated in an operating agreement. But an operating agreement is really the document used to run the day-to-day -day operations of your business. Right. What it really should be in is what's called a buy-sell agreement, which would address death, disability, retirement, what I call involuntary termination, like someone's suing you or you're getting divorced. That's a good one. So in most states, if you get divorced, your spouse is entitled to your her percentage in the business. So you want to make sure your spouse signs a waiver that says, hey, she's not entitled to shares of the business. You might, you might have to pay her value, but oh she's God. not entitled to shares of the business. Oh my I have her sign a waiver for him like that. Yeah, just I'm writing a book. Uh, it's called 10 Ways to Get Sued by Anyone and Everyone yeah. uh, with a co-author friend of mine. And I just interviewed an attorney, so one of the leading authorities on family law in New Jersey. And we <sighs> talked about that whole thing about how, you know, like getting divorced is like almost one of the worst things you can ever do for your business. That's crazy. That yeah. is absolutely crazy. I never thought about or honestly heard of a buy-sell agreement that will line by line. Yep. Highlight potential scenarios that yep. could happen. Right? Those are the four major ones. It's is like the prenup, or is it? Yeah, it's a prenup sorry? business prenuptial agreement. Yeah, there's Holy no question about it. Smokes, yes. I mean, it doesn't. It's not like a prenup where it has to be done before the business. Usually, you do it as the business is now operating and has value, and mm. you come up with a valuation formula. In a lot of cases, you buy life insurance, so if you die, that makes it yes. easier. Um, you know, I always thought about what you just mentioned there. Um, because all my partners, we're all, everyone's married, some, most with kids. 
And yeah, I mean, there's no detail. I've never read anything in our agreements that state if you left the business or you passed no, away. No, most of those agreements don't address that stuff. I mean, yeah. I just assumed, and that's no. terrible, right? Make an asset of you and me is that the spouse has no right whatsoever to the business. I mean, because they can't run it. They weren't operating it. They have no Doesn't clue. Matter. So uh, it would make things very complicated. Scary, tell us, a, can you, do you know a story that you could share of a situation? You know, we'll, we'll keep everyone in an eye. Yeah, I know a situation. I had a, a guy who owned a pretty successful business worth a couple of million dollars. He did have a buy sell agreement. They had an operating agreement. They had bought out a third partner. But they didn't, and a lot of people make this mistake, they didn't, what I call, fund their agreement. They didn't buy life insurance for their agreement, okay? A lot of people don't do that. They're like, well, we'll just pay it out of the earnings. Let me tell you what happens in reality, okay? What in reality happens is they didn't buy life insurance for the business. He later got sick. He couldn't get insurance, okay? He then dies at some point, Okay. The spouse had an operating agreement and it had a formula in it. You take book value, you take the old leftover distributions, it had a whole formula. Oh Let's God. say it added up to $2 million, no life insurance. So the guy who's remaining, who's running the business says, I can't afford $2 million. I mean, what, what, do, what do you want me to say? She said, well, I'm entitled to that money. I don't want to tell you, I'll pay you a million too. I'll give you 200,000 now, we'll pay a million dollars out over five years or something. What's she going to do? Is she going to fight him? She has, you know, with money, spend another couple hundred thousand dollars, go to court, try and increase the value, see what it's worth, fight him on it. Or is she just going to move on with her life? And and ultimately, he also could tank the company. Maybe the partner's gone now and business dries up. I don't know. And she's taking a big risk. So you mm. definitely want to do that when you can. You buy life insurance just to, just to have your family done. They got enough problems. Yes. Now, if you're still right. around and you're you're retiring and that's a different story, you can't fund those things but um you definitely mm. want to protect yourself against those kind of things you may want to discount the value of the business in terms of somebody's trying to sue you mm. there's all kinds of ways to do it but you can't do it on the fly are you ready to invest in real estate but don't have the time or enough education to do it by yourself accountable equity helps accredited investors who are looking for tax advantaged investments so anyone looking for a team of professionals who hold themselves accountable with theirs and your real estate investments, Accountable Equity is your boots on the ground team. Their mission is to bring private offerings to their investors and their clients. With a team of committed and experienced investors themselves, Accountable Equity is always looking for partners to participate in alternative investments which extend beyond publicly traded equities like stocks. Accountable Equity makes alternative passive cash flow possible for more people than ever before in our economy. To find out more, visit AccountableEquity.com. That's AccountableEquity.com. Or look for them on LinkedIn or Facebook. That's AccountableEquity.com or AccountableEquity. That's AccountableEquity, your partner for true, passive real estate investments. Paint a scenario for us. Uh, you know, partners come to you. They say, hey, we've been operating this business for years. Right. Mitch, we, we recognize we heard you on a podcast. Do you work with them together or separately? It's the same business. I'll work with them together with a retainer letter that explains that if they have any conflicts of interest, I may not be able to work with either of them. Mm. There are situations where sometimes you have an attorney representing the company and then the partners, maybe it's more than two, are getting separate attorneys, but it gets expensive. Mm -hmm. But if they're amicable, I will, just like husband and wife, I'll work with them. Wow. With the understanding that, that if, you know, if you call me and say, listen, Mitch, I don't want to do that. I don't want you to tell Josh, but I want to do Then I say, Eric, 
I'm no longer your lawyer. You just conflicted ah. me out because I have to tell Josh everything you tell me. No secrets. Wow. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think all the partners are going to have to listen to this episode and get to know <laughs> what is next, right? What's next? Yeah, I can, I can actually is... be your lawyers because you're in New Jersey. Most people I talk to, I can't. So That's so crazy, right? What were the odds of that? Yeah. Because we met virtually, right? We and met like... virtually through Kieran Lenahan. Oh, that's right. You introduced oh, me and I, I came on podcast, PodMax. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I, wait, 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 wait. Didn't you meet Kieran at PodMax? No, I got introduced no. to Kieran through another guy. I got to have to look back, I think through LinkedIn or something. He came, I'm not sure if he came on my podcast at that. No, he didn't come on my podcast because you paired me with him on PodMax one yeah. time and we with, connected. With we did a Kieran and we connected. Yeah. And then he yeah. said, well, I got to introduce you to Josh and Eric. And I said, who are these guys? And PodMax, I said, never heard of it. And then that's what happened. Then I came on. Amazing. I remember Kieran meeting a lawyer that he played golf with. No, not and I me. guess it wasn't you. No. Okay, yeah. Wasn't and on he the met golf him at Podmax. Yeah. And then he's this now is representing a pandemic Kieran, I believe. Connection. So I'm glad you brought this up because uh, we have not brought this up yet. And I do want to speak to the Podmax community who's listening to this episode through the Podmax, uh, you know, spotlight, spotlighting our family. Yeah. Is what we're basically calling it. Um, tell us a little bit about that story and some of your experiences, you know wins uh you know successes yeah. anything that's sort With of related regard to, to podmax to the brand yeah yeah I, I, you know i'm always looking to get more involved in podcasting in the podcasting community and um i speak on podcasting i'm actually coming out with a podcast guesting kit through a Whoa. studio that i've connected with actually Fila davis i connected you and josh with her i think you're going to talk to her soon she'd make a great speaker mm. they have a studio up in like bergen county or something Okay. And they have kits for guesting and for recording and all kinds of stuff. So she's doing a kit for my show for guests, right? So going on PodMax is a great way to not only meet a lot of people and connect with the community because everyone's a podcaster. And there were even people, I guess, were new, right? There were a couple of people who said, well, I haven't really started my podcast, but I'm interested. And I've made a lot of friends. I've been on their podcast. They've been on my podcast. I've had at least six interviews, I think, maybe more with the different one. I was a guest once and I'm coming back in June. Um, it's just a great connect. And, and you've also brought on some fantastic speakers. I mean, shit, we had, we had Harbinger, Hal Elrod. I mean, that's big time stuff. Yeah. So I know. And I always learn something it, from the marketing guys that come on and what everyone's doing. Um, yeah. So, cool. so uh, yeah, yeah, I just, I just, I mean, I don't want it to be a business for me, but it is a content marketing type of thing. And I love you guys. I mean, you guys, you're helping yeah, everybody and the feelings mutual well, figuring friend, it out. You know, you, you know, there's, there's several people, you know, this has been running for all, believe it or not, Mitch, almost two years, but virtual one year. Uh, we just passed the one year anniversary virtual and uh, we had no idea what was going to happen right. uh, when it went virtual, especially. And we're like, oh my God, a community is developing. So it's 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 so nice and we're so blessed to have you in the community and people like you are total standouts because they come with value and servitude. And and that is like one of our core sort of values sure. is, is, you know, we live to serve with nothing and, you know, no expectation of return, just understanding and knowing that it's an abundant life. Right. That's and, what it is. You know, and you understand. So let's talk about that mindset. How the heck 
because it took me. I was in corporate America and I was like, ah, I'm not a happy person. And <laughs> it took me becoming an entrepreneur to finally evolve out of that mental state. How did you sort of get into that mindset? And have are you continuously evolving? You practice doing practicing anything to sort of self-improve? Oh, in terms of business. Uh, actually, I just attended Landmark recently, if you know the Landmark mm. Forum. That's mm -hmm. a, I recommend that to anybody. And I and I was reluctant to go. And a friend of mine's like, I signed you up. I'm like, sign me up for what? <laughs> for Landmark, you're going. I'm like, what what? And it was on Zoom. It was like 33 hours. It was a long weekend. <laughs> It was a long weekend, but they're they're a great organization. Yeah, I've always been into self-development, motivational stuff like we were talking before. Mm. When I discovered Nightingale Conan and, you know, and all the books and the tapes and the Zig Ziglar's and the Tom Hopkins, I think somebody took me to a presentation like for Tony Robbins. I was like, holy shit, I want to learn all this stuff. And I've always been much more of a half, uh, the glass is half full than a half empty kind of guy. I've never been really a negative person. People are negative. I'm like, oh, they're going to crash and burn. I'm getting out of their way, you know? And I, and I would do that <laughs> even early on in sales. I would be like, I would tell the young guys, listen, when one of you guys starts crashing and burning, the other guys go the other direction. Don't let them take you down, you know? And that, and a lot of it's, you know, having a good mindset and not taking things you know, too seriously. And especially when I became a lawyer, obviously I've been solving people's problems for 30 years. Yes. I know that generally people's reactions don't really match what the gravity of the situation is. Their reactions are much higher than the real gravity of the situation. So if somebody sends something to me, they're freaking out. I usually wait a little while to call them back. Nine times out of 10, I'll get another email that said, oh, you know, from you, you're panicking about something. I'll keep reading my emails, 10 emails down. You go, oh, Mitch, forget it. I figured it out. Like things, <laughs> things have a way of working themselves so out. And, and I try to not take, you know, things too, too to, not, and not with lack of seriousness, but mm. too much to heart. I think that, you know, most things yeah. can resolve themselves. Just sometimes it takes longer than others. And I've just kind of always been a, a pretty positive person. I, I get that from my dad. He's always been a kind of guy that, you know, th things don't bother him. And, you know, if things are difficult, you just deal with it one day at a time, you know, don't eat mm -hmm. an elephant in a day, just take it one small step. And that's kind of the way I've kind of lived my life. I don't, you know, so it was never, I was never this like intense person. And I mean, corporate America, this sucks, you know? I mean, I guess I thought it sucked. That's why I never really worked in corporate America. But <laughs> Good for yeah, you. Good I always had you. trouble working at companies. I was not good. Yeah, I know. The, especially entrepreneurs that can't fight that itch or, you know, it's just so baked into their DNA that uh, they'll make terrible employees. And there were times where, yeah, I, I just, I was the the worst employee. I mean, because you because just because can't just, work for people that you think are just total morons. I mean, it's just difficult. Yeah. Eventually yeah. you leave. So, yeah. but I mean, it's so good to hear. I mean, you have, you have such a healthy mindset and, you know, which explains, you know, why you're successful and why you're here and you're doing everything that you're doing and people gravitate towards you so. uh, because you have a positive outlook and vibe that you put out there. Yeah. Um, so, so Mitch, uh, as we sort of land this, Plane. I wanted to hit you up with a couple of rapid fire, what I like to call. I've been quick waiting for this. Hip. Very excited. Yeah, yeah. So this is gonna be fun, brother. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cherry pick from my my dozen or so that I like to to play around with here. But uh, um, if you knew this was your last meal, what would you eat? Eat. Yeah. What's the dish? What's the plate? 
All right. So, so that, so this will teach you something about me. Like there probably isn't a one meal that I like, there's a lot of things I would mix eat. it up. Yeah. Mix it up. It's okay. Throw it all. Probably spicy thing. kind of food, maybe Thai food, sushi, oh, yeah. something like that. I like flavorful nice. foods, but not heavy foods. I like, you know, yeah. spicy type of unique is, cuisines. Is, is sushi spicy without the wasabi? No. <laughs> But sushi doesn't always has wasabi. <laughs> it does. Thai food. It does. We once yeah, had dinner. Thai's My good. wife cooks uh, tum yum goon soup, and she she hasn't done it in a while, but the kids love it. So we had friends over. This is a while ago. We're living in Florida, and you know the Thai chilies. They're like they look like little like orange carrots. Yes. So we're sitting yes. there, big guy, he's my friend, and he goes, oh, and he goes, look a carrot, and before I could even get out of my mouth, I go, <laughs> and he ate the thing. And I just watched him and you could see him and it starts sweating and oh it was God. not a good experience for him. <laughs> have you ever heard of the one chip challenge? You ever see those things? Uh, you gotta look it up. Yeah, yeah I okay. have. That's yeah, yeah, like yeah. a hot wings like, type of thing, right? Yeah, it's like one like chip. Like a ghost in a bag. pepper chip or something. Yeah, exactly. California Reaper or something. Yeah. yeah. It's not in doing one, that. it's it's it looks like a tiny Dorito bag, one chip. Yeah. And then they just tell you eat the whole thing. And, now my daughter is 17. She would eat that she finds spicy like vietnamese food with the seeds in it that you can't even smell because your hair catches on fire she puts it in a breakfast cereal do me a favor you can buy this online the one chip i have one sitting in my 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 pantry just for the occasion it's probably this summer where my brother-in-law or somebody's gonna be bravado and like i'm like hey i got this thing here you want to try and we've Record it. Yeah, let's have some fun here. <laughs> like the, the cinnamon challenge. You'll have to record it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on YouTube. I love that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so let, let, let's ask you, I, I'm curious about this one. Okay. Um, what is what is your preferred mode of transportation? Car. Any specific type of? I just got a new BMW. I never had a BMW nice. before, and this car kind of like- And you said you're struggling Drives lawyer. itself. Well, it's used. <laughs> is it a convertible? No, it's, it's not used. a convertible. That's it's, a, the, it's a certified it's a pre-owned. It's not used. It is not certified pre-owned. I didn't get it from <gasps> BMW. I got it from a client friend of mine who's got a used car lot. He gets most all of our used cars. So I had a Cadillac before that. My kids made me feel old. Oh, so nice. I was, you know, uh, but- I used yeah. to love BMWs. Which which one? I had a three series. Yeah, this is the 330i, the X-Drive. Okay. The problem is yeah. I got it because it has Android Auto and the Android Auto wasn't showing up. So they took it in, they redid the whole computer system, updated six, seven hours. I drive home with Waze and whatever. I turn it on the next morning, Android Auto is gone. Disappeared. <laughs> So it's back in the shop today. I don't know what's going to happen. That was my experience. I owned a BMW for, I don't know, four or five years. And it was always at the shop. And it was never less than a grand, three grand. Yeah. I (laughs) I mean, hopefully that won't be my experience. That might be the last BMW I get. But look, I I had a Cadillac. It was the same thing. Everything was expensive. uh, Yeah. They're all expensive. It's American made. And they're complicated. Hopefully it's a little cheaper. Yes. You know, vehicles are complicated these days. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I like I like cars. I don't like boats. I get seasick. I went on a cruise with my family a couple of years ago for Thanksgiving. I took like a bonine at dinner every single night because I was like, Ugh, and it was a little rough. So that I don't love. Flying's fine, but yeah, being able to be in your own cars is nice. I would love, you know, someday I'd love to get an RV, uh, like one of those big ones, you know, like where you can live in them and travel yeah, and stuff. Heck yeah. Problem is, I probably my wife would probably divorce me, but. You know. <laughs> But I do like that. I look yeah. at them online all the time. I am with you. I know the trend is like skyrocketed and sales have gone through. Oh, yeah. You can't uh, get these things. Yeah. Everybody, because nobody would nah. travel before they want to drive somewhere. And they don't want to, yeah. they don't want to, you know, check into a hotel room when COVID's going around. 
given the state of everything today in the house market and how people can get, you know, 150, 250% return on their money, yeah. you know, I'm exaggerating, but um, yeah, I mean, isn't it tempting to just sell your house and go live in an RV and travel the, the, the country? You live in a tiny house. It was a this yeah. tiny house. Yeah. Live yeah, off the exactly. grid, zero footprint, no carbon exactly. footprint, right? And 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 we're living lives very boring, uh, through this. Way. It's all virtual. Yeah, right? I guess so you have a podcast studio. You can connect with people. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So so last question here because I am curious about this because I don't know this about you. You're running to the stage, and the MC of the conference says, "Please welcome Mitch Bynacker to the stage." Yeah. What is pumping? What music is pumping through the loudspeakers as you make your way to the stage? Um, I'm not sure. I, I like what's, uh, what's the first song that popped in your head? Oh, what a night by the Four Seasons. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that song. I don't know if that would be my That's theme a great music, song. but I do like <laughs> yeah, that yeah. song. I used to go to a place in the city called Cafe Wa, <laughs> and the band always used to play that song. I used to love it. You ever been it's to Cafe Wa? Good. No. no? Then the village in the village. Okay. Probably closed now. Yeah. Yeah, don't go to the village. It's a war zone right now. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, Washington Square Park's not a place you want to walk around. I literally Googled because I'm supposed to go into the city and have dinner with some friends. I'm like, like a tourist, like an accidental tourist. I'm like, where? And I used to live and love Manhattan. Uh, and there's literally, dude, they say you cannot go to the Flatiron District where that was where I went to school and Gramercy Park. Yeah. They say stay away yeah, from it. Yeah, it's near like Union Square. And, and yeah. yeah. My God, it's crazy. I don't know. I'm not. I mean, you remember the Dinky Days? I'm not days running and, to the city so quickly. No, but it's funny. I remember when Disney came and Disney-fied, you know, Times Square, and I, I, I was against it at first. I was like, I love the the, the gritty, disgusting what? New York. All but the X-rated pornography. It, yeah. <laughs> it was just it was New York, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A cab driver, you know that that was like how I I always loved New York. But then Disney came. I appreciated it. I was like, oh, this is nice. It cleaned this up safe. the city. This is fun. Yeah. But now it's back to. I remember I was in days. like middle school, I guess. We're driving around in one of those big cat, big uh, station wagons, you know, when you'd sit in the back in those deaf seats and they wouldn't, you just roll around. Nobody cared. Right? <laughs> and we drove past like Columbus Circle and there was a guy running. It was the middle of the winter, freezing to death in a ski cap. That is all he had on, just the oh, ski cap. Dude. And my dad was like, that's why we don't let you walk around New York City. And that was. We should have a podcast that just talks about new york city life and experiences yeah um i have some i'll share it on your show if it comes up but yeah <laughs> something similar to your story that i'll never forget um but yeah let's let's talk about uh the best way yeah because i know that we're we already know how to reach out to you and and, and we want to connect and work with you absolutely after what you shared here on the show yeah uh but yeah let's uh let's let's let the audience know how they can hey, Get to connect, connect with you. Yeah. Um, my website's bindhackerlaw.com. So they can go on there. I have uh, free consultations. There's some videos, uh, some different stuff, some a lot of information. They definitely should subscribe to the podcast because I'm always interviewing, you know, entrepreneurs and family-owned businesses, sharing their ideas, and they'll get on the mailing list and learn about everything that we do. Um, and that's probably the best way. I'm also on, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all that type of stuff, both the podcast and the business. And I'm, you know, I was available. Happy to answer questions for people. Good stuff, brother. It's it's such an honor to know you. Thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you for being a part of, like, a big part of the Podmax community. We really, really appreciate you, brother. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. Yeah.